Hello, witches. This is Kara Kovacs, and this is Business Witch. As a third-generation witch, at least, and a business and life coach for mission-driven entrepreneurs and leaders, I teach you how to make money and magic as liberatory practices. Because when we know, seek, and embrace our full potential, we create a better world for everyone. Here you'll find tools, conversations, spells, and inspiration that take you from waiting to creating so you can build the business and life you're oh so worthy and capable of having. Let's go. Hello, witches. I have a very special treat for you today. I am joined, I think a few days before her birthday, by Rochelle Robinette, and she is the founder of Pharmacon Supernatural, a registered herbalist, and she's going to share so many magical tips with us today about how to support your nervous systems in entrepreneurship and hopefully maybe debunk some of the ways that I personally have just been indulging in herbs. And we are so grateful to have you here. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. I look forward to talking about all of that. And I doubt, I doubt you're misusing any herbs. If you're using <laughs> herbs, I'm happy. So <laughs> yeah. And I use them with intention and reverence. And I've been, you know, grinding up things and playing with mixing them around. I ha- I'm like aspiring herbalist, but I don't, I can't, I can't say more than aspiring at this time, but tell the people a little bit about your work. Definitely. Yeah. So I am the founder of Pharmacon Supernatural, as you mentioned, and herbals. And those are sister companies that all sort of live under the umbrella of, you know, quote unquote, supernatural. One side of that is a lot of content and education, classes, media, me, you know, teaching anybody who's interested how to be healthier with plants is what I always say. And then the herbal side is our product line. So that is herbal gummies and more to come in the future. Yeah. I mean, we've done a little bit of everything over the years as Supernatural, but it's always, always hinged on education and, you know, really just sharing accessible, exciting, modern herbalism. Mm. There's so much more I could say on that, but that's what we'll talk about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'd be curious how you decided that you wanted to build this platform because it really, I think is, had been so impactful for people, but there are so many people doing incredible work with herbs. And I think of you as someone who's, who's built something that like goes beyond that practice, that there's Mm -hmm. a visibility and an impact component. And I'd love to dive into that. Yeah, I I would love to. So, you know, the the process of building Supernatural was it's been one of the most incredible journeys of my life and such an incredible combination of creativity and entrepreneurship and, you know, personal education and engagement with this community that grew and grew over the years and also engagement with you know, my own intuition and this compass, you know, that's going to guide us over the years. I was actually just reflecting on it this week, you know, as, as it's, as an entity in its entirety and how I've been, how I am really proud 
that it's grown to what it is and that it's still, you know, a lot of, a lot of small businesses don't survive and we've, we've never taken outside investment. I started it from absolutely nothing. It's always just fed itself and grown, you know, naturally, organically. So, you know, I'm proud that it's still around and I'm, and I'm also really pleased with how it's been able to morph and shift and change over the years. And that is in response to and in a relationship with and in conversation with the community and with myself. So there's this, this like triangulation that is always happening between what the people need and want, which is, you know, I'm getting through listening, right? Paying a lot of attention. What do I need and want so that I can continue to this and be happy and be aligned? And then this sort of, you know, what opportunities are there in the market? And I think a lot of businesses are started just from that standpoint, right? Or just from the personal, you know, compulsion standpoint. And none of that's wrong. But, you know, from the very beginning, I didn't know where we would end up. And I still don't. So what I started doing was just one foot in front of the other. This is the direction that I'm headed in. You know, this is the supernatural is out there somewhere. My future is out there somewhere. And I know, you know, as a core principle, a couple of things, but all, you know, to sum all of that up, I definitely didn't like start supernatural one day and build straight to where we are today. It's been very, you know, organic and kind of dynamic. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. But what I loved that you said that I think is really valuable for my particular audience and people who come to me to support them in expanding their own entrepreneurial journeys is the component of listening to the audience and the community. And that when you center, and I talk about this all the time, but when you center what people need and ask for, it's not like you are selling because you are in conversation with meeting a core need. And the intention of the business is to serve that. And then the exchange becomes sort of inherent. And I think a lot of people find that that part where they're like the exchange, they're like, what can I sell or how do I sell it? That energy makes them feel incongruent with what they came into the business to do, which is to serve. And when you're centering the response to your community as the space from which you create the offering, like you don't have to even think about it like that. And anytime, I love when I have people who have built really successful businesses on the podcast because they all have that in common. And I think when people are starting out and they hear other people talk about that and how inherent it is to the point that it's almost unconscious to you. Like your first thought was, well, I was listening to my people. And it's like anybody that you see who is successful, that's what they're doing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you articulate it so, so well. That's how, that's how it's, how it began and how it continues, you know, every single day to, to grow. For me, it has to be both. It has to be what, what do the people need and what do I want to? And sometimes, you know, I find that, you know, when those don't align, then, then it's a decision of, you know, am I going to go off and make art for art's sake? Because that's what I need. And it's not about selling anything. Or am I just going to go to work today on this certain thing? Because this is what the people need. Or what it's really become about for me is I have a team. And so I delegate the things Mm -hmm. that are not, you know, where those two things aren't, aren't lining up in a really like sort of congruent way, then somebody else on the team who loves to do that sort of thing can, can do that. But what I was curious about when you were talking is like what you are hearing that the people need. I feel like there's been such a shift in the wellness industry, in 
the way that people think about herbs, the way that people think about using supplements for healing. And I'd be curious, you know, what the people are needing right now, like kind of trends that you're seeing in the market and what the journey of the business has seen and what people are needing and feeling open to and curious about. You're right. It's changed so much, even just in the years that I've been doing it. So I think, you know, one thing that comes to mind is that there's a way of listening that is, you know, obvious. People have questions. You're answering questions, you know, it goes like that. And we get questions all day long, you know, Instagram, primarily Substack, email, like it's just questions all the time. And then there's, and then there's the way of listening that is, you know, just a sort of different layer. And I think I've, I've been able to do that, you know, more recently, like in the last several years, as opposed to when I was starting out, because our community has grown to be so large that now I can see themes and trends and you get, you know, a hundred questions and you realize they're actually all asking three things. You know, and so it becomes um, sort of broader strokes in that sense. And you realize these are themes that are happening in the wellness industry or in healthcare or mental health or wherever we are, nature and science, you know, psychedelics. And it it's interesting because it's like the funnel widens, but you know, there's the pattern recognition of, you know, what people are asking or what people need. And it's also, you know, then you're not or I'm not necessarily answering their question directly. I'm actually giving them what they're, what they need or want or what they don't know they're asking, you know? So to make this really like literal, you know, somebody might say, I have acne, you know, once a month and it, you know, is really a problem. And you, and you know, you're like, okay, well that is probably hormonal. Of course it could be some other things, but, you know, trying to draw this down to a very, like, you know, very small point. So we talk about hormone balance, you know, and it's like that can ladder up into really big, big themes. And those are sorts of things that will, you know, shift my business. You know, Mm -hmm. I realize like, for example, I continue to offer education because I see all these questions and all these misunderstandings as representative of the fact that people want to understand, they want to know, you know, and so I've chosen to quote unquote sell education as opposed to selling products. We have products, but it's, you know, we have three as opposed to what it could be. So I did kind of spin off there a little bit from your question. <laughs> no, you asked it. I feel like there the was trends, one more part of it. Like what people are wanting right now. Like oh, yeah. What's hot right now. And actually what I will say to that, that, that I was thinking about as you were talking is the way that we get obsessed with an ingredient. It's like, oh, it's kale. Like I remember seeing some article about how before people became obsessed with kale, like the top buyer of kale was Domino's pizza because they used it (laughs) as the decorative in the, in their like buffets. And nobody was eating (laughs) kale before that. And then we got like obsessed with like acai or we got obsessed with adaptogens or whatever. So like what's hot right now and when, what do you yeah. think about about the fact that we do that anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I've eaten more kale than anything else in my life. Like I love kale. <laughs> so just to fit the mold, um, there there have been a couple big trends since I've been in, in the industry. You're right. It was like superfoods in the beginning. And I think there was this really 
fun in retrospect, like period of discovery where we're realizing like, oh my gosh, cacao is a quote unquote superfood and goji is a superfood and all these things. And we're excited about superfoods. And I think that was just like early stage, wider spread recognition of the medicinal value of plants and all of these things that, you know, are plants and mushrooms and herbs and spices. And that's like, that's herbalism, you know, functional food is herbalism, you know, and then there were, then there was a CBD phase, which we're still sort of in, it's definitely, you know, plateaued and, and, and kind of dropped off a cliff, unfortunately, for a lot of businesses and hopeful humans. I think it's, it's, you know, it'll stay at a more reasonable level in terms of the enthusiasm, but it just wasn't, you know, it didn't turn out, it didn't live up to the marketing and that you can see the sort of danger of over-marketing or inaccurately marketing some of these things. We're very much in a mushrooms phase right now. I'm sure everyone knows that. <laughs> We've been in a mushroom phase for a while. You know, I think I had, we had our cafe until last year and when I opened it, we were in the CBD phase and then it shifted into the mushroom phase and everybody was, you know, just, just wanted mushrooms and adaptogens, you know, still adaptogens are top, 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 I would say of the trend. And it bugs me to no end because (laughs) probably most now easily most of the marketing around adaptogens right now is flat wrong. Say more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I ju- I write about this fairly often. I've written about it for years because it's been, you know, as adaptogens has gotten more popular, more and more companies have used the term to sell products and they are using it incorrectly. So the simplest way to kind of explain the issue is that, you know, there are thousands of herbs in the world just like there are thousands of vegetables, right? Or produce. And we categorize herbs based on their activity. And you would say like, apples are apples, right? There's like different varieties of apples and they're apples, they're produce, but they're apples. And like lettuce is not apples, like not, not at all the same thing, right? Adaptogens are like apples and only about a dozen to 20 at the most herbs are considered adaptogens. All the thousands, like 20,000 other, you know, herbs, turmeric and matcha and cacao and like all these, you know, functional botanical things, they're herbs and they fit into different categories because they do different things. They're not adaptogens. So right now the term has lost almost all meaning in the sort of product market space because brands think that adaptogens is a synonym for herbs and it's being used to imply this herb helps with stress or this mushroom is is functional i mean they're all functional so it's just becoming completely watered down and without meaning without definition and i wouldn't mind so much if it were like i don't know the overuse of of an adjective or something but adaptogens has a very clear meaning and a very clear definition and a very small amount of herbs are adaptogens and that's it. And it's like black and white based on scientific research. Mm. There's not a gray area there. The only gray area exists because, you know, we might discover a new plant and it might be classified as an adaptogen. So, you know, 
it's it's actually wrong. <laughs> yeah. And consumers are going to buy things thinking they're going to get the effects of adaptogens. They're not going to. And you see what happens with CBD when people are like, well, this didn't work, right? Mm. Well, turmeric is not an adaptogen. It's not supposed to do that for you. Matcha is not an adaptogen. Cacao is, you know. Anyway, so I, that is the 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 foundation of the problem <laughs> with adaptogens right now. So I want to ask you, because yes. when you're saying this, what I'm thinking about is like, I mean, that probably happens in 900 different ways in within your entire body of work is like people come to you and they're like, I'm using this for this. And it's like, that doesn't mm. do that. Or diminishing the power of plants or warping the way or the intentionality with which we can use it. Like there's just probably so, so many misconceptions mm. and misuses and appropriations. And I don't know, I could go on like so many ways in which people don't understand. And there's a mysticism mm. in that, that I think is compelling. Like mm -hmm. it's part of the reason that I like would call myself an aspiring herbalist and take 9,000 tinctures at once all the time. Yes. Um, <laughs> but then like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm so glad you asked that because actually there it's, it's really, it's really hard to get herbalism wrong. Like it's like the fact that you're taking 9,000 or 20 or however many you're actually taking tinctures and you're doing it, you know, like I'm so glad you're doing that. And I think a, a lot of the, the world, people who are not herbalists are like, wait, like, isn't that dangerous? And shouldn't you be issuing cautions? And like herbalism is way, 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 way safer and way harder to like, get wrong than not you know herb drug interactions are are exceedingly rare and they don't kind of happen in the way typically that we think where there's like this bad interaction between the drug and the herb and mixing herbs is excellent they've always been they've always globally and historically herbs are always taken in blends you know the way to sort of mess it up is to either take too much and, you know, anything that's you're that you're buying on the market, you know, it's going to be very clear how much is too much. And it's probably going to have to be a lot higher than whatever they say is too much for you to actually hurt yourself. So basically, you have to be trying to like overdo it to hurt yourself or, you know, taking too little or not, you know, not dabbling with herbalism because you're afraid of it, you know, which I, I don't want people to feel. So to answer your question, the issue with the adaptogens is, is coming first from the, from brands and companies and, and sort of product sellers, because most consumers still don't know what adaptogens are. So they're hearing the term, they're being sold the term, they're being sold benefits. And then they're getting this idea about adaptogens from a consumer standpoint of like, I'm curious about herbs. I want to start drinking teas or taking tinctures or using products like, yes, 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 please. We all used to, it, it, this is how we used to take herbs and eat spices and drink things. And, you know, it was all botanical all day long, all the time. Like all of us, this was, you know, herbalism was not something that we were afraid of, you know? And of course they're, you know, powerful you know, psychedelic plant medicines, but for the most part, you know, 90% of it is begging for us 
to play with it and to relearn it. You know, this is just that, that, that alone could change healthcare. So. So with that being said, I'd love to talk about using herbs as support for entrepreneurship. And what I'll say is in my practice, like before I teach a class or if I'm like Mm -hmm. hosting people in my home, I put out all the tinctures that I have and I take them and like, I imagine imbuing myself with the intention of whatever the thing is. And I feel an energetic resonance with that, not dissimilarly Mm. to, to setting an intention. So I take like the sister spinster devotion, which is about engaging in inspired practice with power is what it says on the bottle. But anyway, I'll take that like before I teach a workshop but I wanted to hear from you, your thoughts on what would be really fun things to engage with in that way, how we can support our nervous systems and taking big leaps, vulnerable, mm-hmm. required steps in entrepreneurship. Any tips? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So fun. I mean, this could be like a whole class. So <laughs> let's see if I can like keep it, keep it brief, but deep for everybody. So in terms of supporting your nerves, you want to look at the category of herbs that are called nervines. So nervines are herbs for the nervous system. And, you know, I mentioned categories before in terms of adaptions. Categories are an amazing way for anybody to enter and interact with herbalism because it takes the herbs down to just a very small group that do a certain thing. So you could just say, Nervines are my jam. I'm going to hang out with these for the next month or six months or a year. And you'd just be working with, you know, about a dozen plants or, you know, maybe 20. Lavender, chamomile, passionflower, skullcap, oat, motherwort, linden. These are Nervines and they are the plants for peace. They help to calm any kind of anxiety in the moment. They act quickly. So adaptogens work over long periods of time. Nervines tend to work quickly. Of course, if you use them long-term, you get benefit long-term too. But creating peace, they can support sleep. They're not all sedative. And they also can rehabilitate the nervous system. So if you are prone to burnout, you've already burned out, you don't want to burn out, (laughs) then nervines help the nervous system. They're really, they're some of my, they're, they're, that's definitely my favorite category of herbs. I use them personally, professionally. And most of the time when people think they want an adaptogen, quote unquote, they actually want a nervine. Mm. So there's those. Adaptogens, I'll say those are the plants for long, ter- like like marathons, not sprints. Cognitive marathons, physical marathons, if you train heavily, you know, you've got, you know, you're looking at a project that's going to last six to eight months and like really just you've got to hustle and grind, then the adaptogens help with that. And what they do is they act a little bit like a vaccine on our stress response system. So we get better at responding and recovering. So we can do that like, you know, sympathetic, parasympathetic dance a little bit better. And the other category that comes to mind for entrepreneurship is nootropics. And so nootropics are plants that help to improve memory, focus, and concentration. So things that increase circulation to the brain, go-to cola. Rosemary is amazing. I always keep rosemary on my desk as an essential oil. 
lavender is actually a nootropic as well. Bacopa is amazing for focus. Bacopa is often used for people who have ADHD. Peppermint, all the mints. Yeah. Like I said, you go on, but I'm curious in your own personal, like you said, you had the rosemary on your desk. Do you have a blend or a ritual? Like now I'm, I was just imagining you like putting things in a diffuser and then taking things and then drinking things like, oh yeah, what, <laughs> what's your jam? <laughs> like just daily or yeah. for, oh geez. <laughs> well, for like when you're doing a business thing. Okay. Well, I treat my personal health as a, like I I keep everything steady for long periods of time so I can understand how they're working and then I'll change like one thing at a time or all of it at once. But I, I keep, I'm very, very like, um, committed to it. So I wouldn't say I don't change much if I'm like, you know, doing an entrepreneurial thing. I take the same supplements every single day. I do use Kava before public speaking. Mm. I like that a lot. So if I'm going to be on stage, kava helps to helps me to feel relaxed. It's it's great for social anxiety, public speaking, generalized anxiety, any kind of you know agitation. But it it doesn't affect your cognitive abilities unless you you know do a super super high dose. But yeah, I tend to you know I have herbal coffee in the morning. I have supplements in the morning and those are herbs and other supplements. I'm drinking tea right now. I have a little, you know, container here that I keep my like afternoon supplements in. I always do something at happy hour for myself, some kind of, usually it's a Nervine blend and like sparkling water. I have more supplements after dinner. And when I say supplements, I mean tinctures or capsules of herbs and some vitamins. Like I take, you know, iron and B12. I'm not using a lot of powders right now, but it's just the phase I'm in. It it comes and goes, you know, sometimes I have more capsules, sometimes more tinctures. And then I'm also always testing something. So I have, you know, I get to work with a lot of different brands when they're formulating their products. A lot of times I'm, you know, helping to consult and stuff. So I'm always testing something or other. So there's, I mean, there's tons of herbs and they're, you know, essential oil on the desk, tea, tincture also on the desk. There's like a heart opening tincture on the desk here that would be really beautiful for doing any kind of root Wait, work is it therapy. the same? <gasps> is it the mic? Yeah. No, it, oh, it's, it's different. different. <laughs> it's different. We got excited. Mine is Mighty Moon Medicine, the Blooming Heart. Mm. I got this in Woodstock a couple of weeks ago, actually. What is Love yours? That. This is one I made with an empathy expert. So it's uh, Kana, which is really special. Kana, cacao, reishi, California poppy, rose, and mimosa. And we just did a limited run. So there's we've got some in the store still, but not for long. So Can people get it online if they're listening and they want yeah. to? Yeah, okay. they can. It's called Heart Warmer, um, an empathy enhancing elixir. And I'll mention, you know, this is this is something that's trending, but kind of under the mainstream radar right now. And and that is Kana. Mm. You heard of Kana before? Mm. So Kana is an herb that is being compared to like a very gentle, legal MDMA. So really, like really heart opening, really empathic, not going to make you trip. You know, it's, it's like a, 
It's a, you know, an over-the-counter version, if you will. Mm. And it's really popular because it's helping people who have depression or anxiety or trouble connecting or all the things that like, you know, an empathy, like a dose of empathy could help in a positive way. So that ingredient is trending kind of, like I mentioned, under the radar right now. The psychedelic world is using the term empathogen, and that is being applied to some of the psychedelics that are empathogens. And kana is one of the only other plants that's getting that term. So we decided to make a special tincture with it. It's actually, it's my favorite blend I've ever made because I got to just like play. So the ingredients are like, it's like all cherry on top. <laughs> I mean, you definitely made me feel like I need to buy some when we're done recording. <laughs> it's really, it's a really cool thing. And yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to reproduce it after this batch. So, and the, and the partner that I made it with, he, he's very special too. He teaches and writes on empathy and then also has a medicine practice where he does energetic work with people and body work. And it's a, it's a good one if you're, you know, if you're looking for one special to add to the to the shelf. Do you feel it when you take it? I'm like curious if this blooming heart thing that I have on my desk has kana in it now. Let's see. Hawthorn berries, rose, rose hips, lilac, honey, cinnamon, nutmeg, vanilla, vodka, and love. love. <laughs> it's pretty uncommon to find kana out there still. It's getting a little more common, but um you probably have to look for it. There's also there are some products. It's funny because there are a couple of products on the market that have been on the market for years and they're using kana, but they're referring to it by its botanical name. And so people don't realize that it's kana. It's like like one of traditional medicinal teas that you buy at the grocery store. And like if people knew. They, they would be sold out all the time, you know, but people don't realize because they're using, you know, Kana's the, not the botanical name. So yes, you feel it when you take it. It's one of those, you're, you're going to feel it when you take it. And we also have, so my, my partner in the project, his name is Michael. He wrote a ritual. So we thought about like taking this tincture. We really want it to be done. Like you said, you do with yours, which is beautiful with intention and even to share it is mm. part of the ideal. So of course you can share it with yourself, but if you want to share it with someone else or even with a group, there's a ritual on the product page that talks through how to do that, what to what to think about and feel and ask and some prompts. So it's really meant for connection and sharing. I yeah. love that. That's like whenever mm -hmm. I go somewhere, I put a tincture bottle in my purse and I use it as a conversation starter with people. I'm like, do you want this? <laughs> that's so great. And now, yeah, I'm realizing you said you you put them out for people. Like that's so oh, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I well, that it. when Keep I have that. a moon circle, I have like, I have a round dining room table. So I do like every single Oracle deck and then in the center, like all of the tinctures and people yeah. just come in and play with them. It's and great. yeah, it's so fun. I love it. My favorite, actually, I'm, do you know, I'm sure you do. 69 Herbs. Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. They are my favorite. And they have this, I have it on my desk too, the Herbal Drops for Wonder and Connection. Mm -hmm. it, it tastes like whenever, whenever I tell people this after they taste it, this is totally go buy this product. I'll put it in the show notes. But it tastes like fairies having an orgy in your mouth. <laughs> Like, wow. I, I have never tasted like 
I I go through probably like one bottle every two months because I bring it anytime I go to a party, anytime I go to a net, like because it's such a conversation starter, the way that it tastes, you immediately oh feel gosh. like a magical kind of like expansive thing. <laughs> it, What's in know, that one? I'm so oh curious. My, it's now. so good. Oh, the, well, and if you read the ingredients, it's it, the ingredients are very funny. Milky oats, rose petal. Essence of turquoise, essence of malachite, essence of snowdrop, essence of gold thread, essence of shooting star, essence of green fairy orchid. That's it. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's fascinating. So they're doing, so that's like a hybrid of a flower essence and a tincture because you have the actual extracts of the rose and the oat, and then you have flower essences and gem essences too. And it and tastes stars. like <laughs> it tastes like a nectar. Like I, what's it distilled no. in? It's in glycerin. Yeah. So it ta- it has like a nectary. It like it. There's a sexual taste to it. Like I actually yeah. gave it to somebody last night after the Regina Spector concert, who said that it that tasted sexual. And I was like, yeah, it tastes like fairies <laughs> having an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Sold. (laughs) (laughs) 10 out of 10 recommend. Are there herbs that you'd recommend for abundance, like herbs associated with abundance? Oh my goodness. There are. So what's interesting is that you're, you're asking a question about one way that herbalists practice that can differ between herbalists. So Herbs for abundance would be more of an energetic approach, right? Like you're not drinking the herb because that is going to like produce abundance in your body necessarily, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There are herbs that do that, but we would call them something else. And that, you know, and and even magical. And I, I used to practice quite a bit of magic when I was a young kid and especially in the early days of Supernatural and honestly, I'm I'm a little bit less magical than I used to be, not because I don't love it and believe in it. It's just, you know, as we ebb and flow as human beings, you know, there are different things that we practice and study and kind of are committed to. But I don't do I don't do much work with, you know, herbs in that way, in the sort of mm-hmm. or not professionally. Personally, you know, that's between me and my herbs. (laughs) But, you know, in terms of professionally or sort of on the record, you know, I don't, it's not really my approach. I I tend to be pretty functional about it, pretty science-based, not entirely, but kind of rooted in that. So you can see it can be a little hard for me to sort of say, hmm, herbs for abundance. But, you know, as I kind of think out loud here, something that I I would recommend, or one way I would recommend working with herbs for abundance is, you know, that is to me, that's like environmental. So I'm burning, you know, something. It could be sweet grass or copal or, you know, anything, whatever your regional plant is that you want to burn for the space. That that's energetic. I mean, it's also functional. There's a lot of functional benefit in like inhaling all of that, but we can just talk about, you know the way Palo Santo works, for example, on a person from the Mm. energetic body standpoint. I also, I go to people who are, who specialize in that when I want, like, I'm thinking about recently, I wanted some really strong magic, you know, and I went somewhere else. You can 
do what feels good and do. And this is where it's like, you're not going to mess it up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if you burned sweet grass instead of copal, like you didn't do the stall wrong, you know, (laughs) you do what feels right for you. It's very like magic is very intuitive. And what we do with our energy is very personal and, you know, individual, but you can also go to somebody who like works with that all the time, you know, and get, get a potion, which is what I did. I went and I got basically a, a powder that you burn. Mm. And I used that for, it wasn't for abundance. It was for something else, but that's the kind of approach that I would take when I'm thinking about like that benefit, even if you will, or that like result that you're trying to create. And I think what you said actually touches on something that I want my audience to hear because, you know, obviously I'm a business coach, but I started very much in practicing witchcraft and doing things Mm. that my mom had passed on to me. And it became like the business becomes something and that maybe you didn't intend you were speaking on that earlier, but I always put rituals and things like that in my newsletters and people ask me for spell recipes. And I want to always tell them the same thing, which is like, you can't fuck it up. Like do what you are feeling called to, and that will work better than me telling you, oh, like wait until the full moon and get this candle and rub this oil on it and carve this thing in it. It's like your recipe is better than mine because it's yours. Yeah. And you thought of it. And, but I think that people are looking and similarly with herbs for permission to engage in a way that they can trust because it does feel like esoteric or far away or like it wasn't for them or they hadn't studied it. I agree entirely. I was just thinking about how to like, how to get under that, that need for permission, you know, or like how to, how to grant it in like a really big way for people, Mm. you know, is it about fear? Is it about, I mean, I, this is where I spend a lot of time, you know, it's like, is it about fear of herbs? Is it about not just not understanding? And so not wanting to like get it wrong, which is also about fear, you know, just trying to reduce it into that one thing. That's just, that's this blanket, like, it's okay to, to go and explore and to, you know, and to play with these things. Yeah. But I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Like, please, everyone do what feels good to you. And there's like, there's so many levels of that being effective too. I'm just thinking, you know, somebody could walk, I could walk outside right now, you know, and wander down the sidewalk for one block and like, grab some plants that I do or do not know what they are. And maybe I arrange them in a certain shape that feels right to me, or maybe I burn them or maybe I, you know, I don't know, put them in water and put the water in a bowl next to me. You know, it's like all of, all of those are right. Mm -hmm. You know, all those are right. And the there's medicine in, in also relating with your own intuition, your own inclination to do those things, like that is, that is benefit too. That's generative too, you know? And I think if you just gave me a recipe, it's a completely different experience. I'm, yeah, I'm always trying. It's hard because I know the world wants recipes and Mm -hmm. um, I'm constantly like pushing back on that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. the, the one thing that I've found that can be that's my way around it is to give templates and to kind of say like, 
one of these, you know, options, one of these options, one of these options. So you give a bit of a blueprint and then also allow or even require that people make some of their own decisions in between. Because the other part of that, at least in my work, is that I'm trying to teach you how to, you know, make your own recipes, how to think yeah. through this, how to fish, right? I don't want you to have to ask anyone else for recipes for the rest of your life. I want you to be able to make your own, then pass them down. And mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> no, I think what Beautiful you're hitting on that you grew up with that. I, but what you said, I think also relates to entrepreneurship. And I think it relates to the larger construct of society that we live in. Like when you live in a society that validates sort of like immediate gratification and also Western medicine solutions, it teaches people that they should be able to take a pill and immediately not feel pain or like Mm -hmm. go on an app and buy something and it's at their house the next day. And I think that ritual and herbs are not like that. And neither is entrepreneurship. It's like you have to experiment and mess up and keep going. And you have to try things that you feel called to, even though they weren't right, because they like ended up showing you the thing that then you got it right. And that there is a little bit of a trust fall surrender in things that are not prescribed. Like here Mm. is the solution to your problem. Mm -hmm. And Mm. I think the problem with thinking that those things have universal truth because some kind of larger body, I don't want, I was going to say like the food and drug administration, but I I also didn't want to say that, but I also wanted to say that I was going to say that, but I'm not saying that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like when they're like, Oh, this was approved, like take it. And, Mm. and the thing, like I have type one diabetes. So I have a reliance on Western medicine in a way that where if like, I don't take insulin, like I die. And so I'm so grateful for Western medicine. And there's been a real healing reclamation process for me in balancing having spiritual teachers be like, you can meditate your way out of diabetes. And I'm like, you can go fuck yourself. (laughs) Like that's not, I'm not, Maybe, maybe I could go sit on a mountain in the Himalayas and like breath work my pancreas into regenerating. But like, that's Mm -hmm. not this life journey for me. Like this life Mm -hmm. journey for me is like running my business from my house and taking Western insulin and then like all the other things I like to play with. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I think like I still have side effects from insulin, like, right. And I can't not take it. Right. I would die. And I think that we prescribe these solutions as if they're like, this is the answer. Right. And then these other realms, it's like the answer is inside of you and you have to find it yourself. And you hate that, but it's also the magic. (laughs) (laughs) There's, 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 there's truth in both. I want to wait until if you're, are you finished? Oh yeah, that, that, that was a monologue. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just, I wanted to like, yes, yes. So, so, so good. You know, and you said something at the beginning of that beautiful monologue about, you know, that you, you, it was, I don't even remember exactly your phrasing, but it is, you know, what else is not like, oh, here's the prescription. Here's the solution. It's as simple as that is, is health. Like health, which to me is just synonymous with life, you know, is it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It simply doesn't. And so we might take the pill and not feel pain, 
but we're, it's either temporary because it's just, you know, or it's just that we don't feel it. It's not that the pain's not there. Like there's so many problems in a, you know, simplistic mindset like that, which is not to say don't take your insulin. I think the two need to be together. Um, but you're right that there's this training that's happening that to me is really just, I mean, not just to me, but, you know, to so many people, it's undermining our health, like that kind of reliance on convenience and the, the idea that it works like that. It, does, it doesn't work like that. There is no fad diet that is like, that's right. There never has been, you know, yeah. ever. It's about the same principles that we've, you know, known all along. And of course we learned this or that, you know, small sort of icing on the cake that, you know, can help with longevity or this, but the, the pillars of health, I, you know, I, I say this often, like the pillars of health have never changed. And, uh, you know, and herbalism is, is one of the same back to our early conversation. One of the same is saying, you know, superfood or functional food or add, you know, turmeric to your recipe. So anyway, yeah, it's not a quick fix. Powerful. Yeah. It's an, it's a, an art though. I I did want to ask, I feel like I'm like trying to constantly ingest as much rose as possible. Like I, (laughs) like I'm spraying it on my face. I'm grinding it and putting it into a joint. I'm drinking it as a tea. I'm taking it as a tincture. I'm wearing it as a perfume. I'm getting it in my coffee. Like, is it, 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 I, I think I probably use rose in every potential way that I could use it as a substance, like at least 12 times a day. <laughs> and I was just curious, like, is that a me thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I hear, I think that is absolutely beautiful. Like clearly, you know, you know, clearly your relationship with Rose is very strong, very healthy. Like you two are in it. <laughs> Great plant choice. I mean, any, any plant choice is is great, but that's, you know, that's a, that's a special one. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we all felt like we had an ally, you know, Mm. that we could just surround ourselves with all of the time or just when we want them and they could support us. And that is exactly what herbs plants can do. You can literally put it in your pocket. You can, you know, bathe in it you can sleep with it like they they're you know just i'm looking around my desk and i'm like they're all here <laughs> and all everyone my, can have my that. friends <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so yeah. if people want to find out more about you and your work and what's coming up for you where should they go mm. yeah so everything is on our website which is youarsupernatural.com and that's the letter u the letter R, supernatural.com. I recommend signing up for our newsletter there. So that'll, our newsletter's on Substack, but that's a really great place to just get updates on what's happening. And then I'm also on Instagram, Rochelle Robinette. If you're in one of those places, you'll know everything. And we will link all of those in the show notes. And I'd just love to close out by asking you a question that I actually started this podcast asking every guest and I'm now realizing I haven't asked anybody that I've recorded with in the last month. So we're bringing it back. What, <laughs> what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Oh, wow. <laughs> what an amazing question. I was actually just writing about this last night. My why is because I am and 
I am committed to living as fully in my own potential as possible. Uh, I am constantly trying to align what I am capable of doing with what the world wants from me. And I mean, when I say the world, I mean like the energetic world, like Mm -hmm. ether, you know, beyond the social media community, as much as I love you, like that goes, you know, deep, constantly trying to align those two stars and wherever that takes me, you know, I try to go. So that requires a lot of intuition, trust, and courage, and a lot of work too. Mm. Uh, But it's taken me here and it's taken me new places in the future. And um, that's why I do it. I do it because I'm constantly just trying to actualize. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. See you witches next week.